Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert Spiewak Bohorkas. I am one of the programmers for Nifty 2020. And today I am joined by the writer, director of a film, The Cloud is Still There, that is in our family portrait screening this year. Uh, Mickey, do you want to introduce yourself for everybody? Hi, everyone. I'm Mikilai, the writer, director for the short film The Cloud is Still There. And I'm from Malaysia. This is my first short film. This is your first short film? That's incredible. Um, that's awesome to know. Uh, and so, yeah, so to kind of start things off, do you want to give uh, people listening that maybe haven't seen the film yet, like kind of a description or a summary uh, logline of the of the film? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, the cloud is still there, depicts the relationship between a Taoist mother and a Christian daughter. So in the film, we will see the grandfather is terminally ill and he's going to pass away. And we will see how both this Christian daughter and Taoist mother plead to their own God and pray to their own God in order to save the grandfather. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, I think it's a really touching film um, and kind of speaks to a lot of different aspects of just kind of family life um, and, you know, gen- generational differences and things. So that's kind of where we'll get to eventually. Um, but just to start, you know, where did um, the idea for the film kind of come from and originate from? Talking about the source or inspiration of this film, um, actually, it is based on my real life experience Mm -hmm. therefore I experience what the protagonist has experienced because I am the only Christian in a very traditional Taoist family and my grandfather used to serve as a Taoist priest and because this is my first short film and I feel the need to um, make something which is really close to me and really matter to my own life that's why the cloud is still there is made. Yeah. Um, I think it's incredible that, you know, for a first short film especially, um, I think, you know, even seasoned directors would have, you know, difficulty kind of mining personal experience like this for, for a project. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, what, was some, what were some of the challenges with, you know, and it can be working with cast, it could be just writing it in the first place, it could be anything. Um, what were some of the, the challenges that you kind of went through putting, you, using your own personal experience, something that's so close to you, um, as, you know, really the basis for the, for the film? I think the biggest challenge is during the script writing part. As you say, it is really close to me and because it is based on personal experience, mm-hmm. therefore, when it comes to writing, I need to deal with a lot of um, so-called authentic feeling and you need to um, drive yourself back to the past and experience the feeling so that... Because we hope to create a situation which is really real and that mm-hmm. can resonate with um, the audience. That's why um, the script writing progress is really pain and struggle, I would say, personally, psychologically, mentally. Yeah. But um, when it comes to directing the actors, it is still okay. It is still fine because um, I treat it like um, sharing the experience with the actors, bring them mm-hmm. to my family, um, introduce them to 
uh, introduce my grandfather's temple to the protagonist, share my lifestyle to them so that they can carry the character really well. Um, so it's like making friends while doing this film. And I think the third challenge is during when it comes to showing this film to the people around because this film is too close to me and there's a secret which is until today I never show it to, to my family oh wow yeah the film is done in March 2020 mm-hmm. but right now it is still uh, in my computer although it travelled around the world to different film festivals but my family still haven't watched it yet are they do they know it like how informed were they while you were making it like do they know that it's kind of based around your experience or is it just they just don't know much about it at all yet I try to deliver some information but I try to hide some information at the same time because I right. want to there's a scene that I want to use in the exact temple which that temple is my grandfather's temple that's why I need to ask permission from my grandmother and mother but I try to say, okay, this is the story, uh, our family story that depicts a story about my grandfather, which I didn't depict that it is actually the conflict between me and my mother. Yeah. Because as an Asian, we try to avoid conflict. We try to hide our feelings. So uh, that's, that's a, I think that's one of the challenges as well. Yeah, and I mean, and that's, I mean, that's a hurdle with, just making the movie itself but there's this whole added second piece that is like well i don't want to discuss this yet with y'all um yeah. and so i mean that's that's a really uh interesting kind of behind the scenes piece um <clears throat> and so just to um give I'm, I'm curious and others might be as well uh about kind of the the stigma surrounding religion um in uh, I guess Malaysian culture, since that's where you're from. Um, and so th- there is this kind of on the micro level, it's within your family. Is there like other context for like, you know, culturally, societally, like this kind of bumping of heads between, you know, Taoism and Christianity in Malaysia? I think um, when it comes to a bigger picture, like um, what, what you said, it is merely about the conflict between the religion and races mm-hmm. because um, especially there's a lot of foreign audiences when they watch this film um, they told me that when it comes to the conflict between the culture religion and races they could easily relate to the conflict between uh, Muslim and Christianity Muslim and Buddhism but not Taoism and Christianity because in Malaysia, Chinese can um, believe in any religions, but not. This is not applied to um, the Malay, the Muslim in our country. Mm-hmm. So the conflict will be easily um, depict when it comes to the clashing culture beliefs beliefs between um, Malay and Chinese. So when it comes to a, a smaller scale. In a Chinese family, the conflict between Taoism and Christianity often, as I said, because 
Chinese family tend not to show their family business or the feelings to other people. That's mm-hmm. why this kind of situation um, is rarely represented through film or literature or um, show it, showing it published on the newspaper or whatsoever. So that's another reason I want to tell this kind of story because it is rarely, rarely seen in the, in the film world. Mm-hmm. And I want to let the worldwide audience know, okay, it is actually something like this happened quite frequently in the Chinese family, especially nowadays. Um, we Chinese people, Chinese uh, the kids from Chinese family, easy access to all kinds of information. Um, they can uh, access to Christianity information. They could hang out to church with their friends during the weekends. So mm-hmm. it is actually happened, but we we didn't show it. So I want to show it through the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it's I think it's in. It was a great move to do this through a film because you know there's so much empathy that's possible um, through filmmaking. Um, and I'm curious uh, about kind of the process for casting this. You know, since it is based on your your own family firsthand. You know, how much searching did you do? How easy was it to find folks to? Um, to to cast as as yourself as you know your your own family members for the casting process it, it is um it it is quite easy for the protagonist the the daughter the christian mm-hmm. daughter but it is quite challenging for the mother um why it is so easy for the protagonist because i know this this actress since mm-hmm. 5 years ago ago i oh, think wow. I knew her from a theater performance, and every every time when I watch her performance, I do really believe in every scene that she acted because the way she delivered the dialogue, and I was so obsessed with her eyes when she is performing. I think yeah. her eyes really did a good job, and it it made me believe that okay, this is real. So, in this project, I try to approach her before, even before the script writing pro- progress, to share mm-hmm. that okay, I'm working on this. Are you willing to be part of this? So during the progress, I keep on sharing my feelings or um, the progress, the film, uh, the script writing progress with her, so that we can keep on track. And because we are friends, we got the chemistry. So it's easier for me to direct her on on the scene. Mm-hmm. As for the mother, um, I spent around two to three months to look for the actress. Initially, wow. there is one actress that I would like to I would like to go for because she she is quite well known internationally. Although she's from uh, she's a Malaysian actress, and she introduced this actress who can act as a mother to me so that's how i know this actress and that's one of the challenge to uh look for the role of the mother as well because of the language um maybe foreign audiences couldn't identify this challenge easily because in this film there is actually two languages the first one is mandarin and uh, the other one is the chinese dialect hakka mm. I want to preserve the Hakka culture so much because 
I feel that this is slowly disappeared in the film world as well because um, my grandfather is from Hakka dialect culture and I want to keep that, I want to preserve that in the film as well. Wow. That's why I was so precise in writing the dialogue and the style of the dialogue. So uh, it becomes another challenge when you look for this kind of, of actress because people nowadays rarely speak in this dialect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why, yeah, it's pretty hard. Wow. Um, I mean, I think that's awesome. You know, it kind of serves almost as um, a little bit of like tribute to your grandfather in that way, too. You know, more than it just being kind of about him. But, you know, there's preservation of, you know, really specific things about him as well through through the character of him in the movie. Um, And so, yeah, um, one other question I kind of had to get to a little bit more technical stuff was just that um, I think something that was really striking about the film or just felt appropriate was kind of there's a lot of takes that are really long and there's this real like the the pacing was so like just there was space to breathe and uh, I thought that was really really interesting um, in terms of just kind of creating emotional space for the audience to kind of sit and experience this story um and on top of that you know all the shots are absolutely gorgeous um even just um you know i'll I'll never stop thinking about um the grandfather's point of view up at the curtain um from the bed um but i think all of that kind of combined to this really um for something that's so emotionally heavy the film feels you know kind of uh breezy still almost like gentle maybe and so i'm curious what the like your the creative decision um with kind of really you know stretching out letting these moments resonate um what kind of the inspiration behind that was because it's um it's it's unlike you know i think anything else i saw in the festival this year was just kind of this really yeah gentle is the is definitely the right word for it you know i'm curious where that decision is kind of coming from I don't know. It, 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 I think it is just my instinct mm-hmm. because I think um, when it comes to dealing with grief and death, it definitely takes time. And because I want this film to be naked, including yeah. the feeling of the characters. That's why I think it would be good to show it in a long, long take because we as a nation, we try to avoid this kind of discussion. Mm. And I think it is a time to face it honestly, to face a feeling, to face the emotion, to face the conflict honestly. That's why um, I want to take, take, take a, make it a long take and don't be rushed. Try to take your, take your time to digest the emotion to digest the feeling mm-hmm. and technically it's a way to build to the conflict as well because when you cut the shot in uh, when you cut the shot too fast or too quick it's like a normal film and I, I don't want to make it like okay people watch it and they didn't feel the film because I think it is important to people to feel the film rather than to show what we have because when audience have that kind of feeling, 
they could easily relate to the film, they could easily understand the film. Instead, instead of you show the pictures, you show whatever you want to show. So I think it is a way to respect the, the audience, to let them to think, to let them to relate, to lead them to a certain path, which, um, yeah, I think this is why uh, um, the, my decision and talking about the insp- inspiration, why I want to make this and where, where is this idea came from. Um, I think it's because I was so obsessed with Japanese film mm-hmm. and Japanese film like um, Tokyo Story. Yeah. It took it time. The, the film took it time to tell the story, to tell the emotion of the character. And that's why the film is so powerful until today. And I think that is my source of inspiration. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that, that's, that's wonderful. I love that. I love that, um, that kind of well of, uh, intention that goes with, you know, making that kind of decision. Um, so I'm curious also, um, since this, you know, this being your first short film, um, what, what kind of drew you to film as a medium? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, the importance of empathy in this specific story, but, um, I'm curious a little bit, your, your journey to just filmmaking in general, you know, when did you start thinking about let's, let's become a filmmaker. Let's start making movies. Um, did it did it start with literally just I want to tell this story or was there you know something before that or you know tell us a little bit about your journey from starting to now okay um I studied in broadcasting in diploma and bachelor degree right after that I worked in Malaysia advertising film and tv industry for one and a half year and during that that period during that period I feel kind of lost somehow because um, to be honest, working in advertising industry is like serving the client needs and satisfy their needs. Mm-hmm. And that's the time I start to question myself, why am I working on all this and why am I suffering on all this? Is it because of money? And I don't feel happy if I work it for the money. So I started to question my responsibility as a filmmaker that's why I decided to have a break and mm-hmm. pursue my master's study in London. So I studied in Matt Film School in London. Mm-hmm. During that one year time, during that one year period, I found my voice as a storyteller. I started to uh, tell a story that although I'm physically in London, but I feel the need to depict the story from my homeland, which is Malaysia, because that is my roots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it, it's like a looking for yourself kind of journey. So I found myself and I decided to, okay, I want to be a filmmaker. Like I want to tell narrative film instead of advertising or commercial yeah, so I think it's because of during the master studies, I watch a lot of films from uh, different different countries, uh, no matter is Iranian cinema or uh, French New Wave, mm-hmm. and it gives me a lot of perspective about film and life. 
So I decided to, I have a thought to tell some story, underrepresented stories from my homeland as well. Yeah, wow. basically, so that, yeah. I love that. Um, and so I guess um, whether this is, you know, audiences that are really familiar with the culture or just a broad international audience, you know, whoever, um, what, what do you hope that people watching this film is kind of their takeaway from it? I think it, it, it's a very simple answer. I hope the film will resonate with audiences no matter where they are, no matter what is their background, because I hope they learn something about the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I hope they learn something about their life through watching this film. Mm-hmm. And I hope they learn a little bit more about Malaysia after they watch The Cloud is Still There. Actually, there is a lot of untold stories in our country. Well, uh, we're getting close to uh, to wrapping up. And so I'm curious, um, and I'm sure others that watch this are curious too, um, do you have more short films in the works? What do you? Is there anything you're working on right now that you could maybe tell us a little bit about? I'm working on, I'm writing a short film, my next short film, mm-hmm. which is a story about the taboo of female period. It's, it is based on real life experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. We've, we've seen several um, really powerful shorts come through in the last few years that are kind of same subject matter. So we definitely look forward to you have to submit that to Nifty um, when that comes to Thank fruition. Um, and so, yeah, where can people go to keep up with um, with your work um, and stay tuned for, you know, that film and the next one's coming coming after that? Where can people follow you online? You may follow me on Instagram. It is mikilai23, M-I-C-K-Y-L-A-I-2-3. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for making the film. Welcome to filmmaking and for submitting to Nifty and taking some more time to, uh, to talk about it with us. Thank you. And thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2020, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.